Deborah Maris, your host of Stand Out and Grow. I want to help your business stand out, survive, succeed, and grow. Building your business is really, really hard. And knowing what marketing and advertising tools you need to help you become successful is extremely confusing. After 30 years of working with thousands of businesses, I am here to help you make good business decisions. I want to help you understand the programs that are available to you so that you can stand out, survive, succeed, and grow. So let's get started. Hey there, this is Kat. And thank you so much for joining me on my live podcast today, Stand Out and Grow. Today, I have a wonderful guest that I met on LinkedIn. And um, we really hit it off. And uh, I felt like she had a really good message to share. And uh, I can't wait for you to meet her. Uh, so let me bring on Deb Curtis. She is the uh, CEO and founder of uh, Curtis Small Business Financial Solutions. So um, let me bring her on. Hey, Deb. Well, hi, Kat. That was really a cool intro, I have to say. The pink cloud? I mean, come on. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, you got to get people's attention so that they pop in and tune in, right? Mm-hmm. So that's that's the whole point of my minutia there. Um, but before we get started in our conversation, uh, can you give uh, everybody who is currently listening or watching and our future listeners and watchers a little background about who you are and what you do? Yes. Who is Deb Curtis? Um, I, I like to ask people what they think I am too, but I, I'm going to tell you, I've been told I'm, I'm passionately persistent would be a good definition by others. Um, a gal, a young girl abandoned by her mom at the age of nine, um, lived with her father when he won custody and uh, stood in a courtroom over an 18 month trial for my dad to win custody of me Uh about 40 years later, COVID of um, March of 2020, I my mom that had abandoned me my whole life oh. moved back in with me because she needed me at that time. I'm the youngest of three and the one that's got it together, I guess they say I have it together, to take care of her. And I forgave her from the past. So I've learned forgiveness. Um, nice. And then through high school, when my mom had abandoned me, my dad didn't have a lot of money. So I didn't go to college, no university, um, was a rough time through school being very poor, waiting in a separate hot lunch line for a certain colored hot lunch ticket for the kids that the district paid their, their lunches because we were under a certain income level. My dad and I, um, didn't go to college because my dad couldn't afford it. And I remember a lot of kids back in the day, you know, all bragging about what university they're going to, which was wonderful, but I couldn't. So that started my journey, that whole life of um, learning that you have to work hard to get somewhere. And it's not all about a university uh, 
on the bottom of your resume education? In some cases, yes. There are a lot of positions out there that do require that education, but not all. So throughout my career, my first professional job, um, I was a, a credit manager for 18 years. And I'm going to make this quick. I, I um, was passed over for promotion because of being a woman and for not having that college education. Wow. So I know, Kat. But wow. that positively persistent girl that I described just yes. a bit ago, I didn't give up. And I kept pushing positively with the male management that I'm doing what my counter male peers are doing I know they have college educations, but I can do it better. And I just kept pushing. So they promoted me and a six month probationary period to see if she could do it. And I did. Mm-hmm. But they didn't give me the extra pay, but that was okay back then. It was in the 90s. I just wanted that promotion cat on my resume because I didn't have that college education. So that's my journey that took me into corporate navigating the waters of a male dominated industry running into more of the same employer after employer. Wow. And I know, but I believe God had a plan with me and it wasn't recognized till recently. I just, I believe all of those challenges and trials that I went through in corporate America of being dismissed and just treated differently. Okay. Have created me to be a business owner that provides solutions for those who are going through the same. I believe my hurts of the past have created those solutions, which is now my small business. So that's where I am. Okay. So Okay, so I have to ask, so what is the silver tsunami? <laughs> yes. I mean, because that's the title of our conversation today. And I even have a comment for um, Lou Lugusi, okay. uh, Mc, McCoy. Uh, he's excited about this session. And um, I'm sure he wants to know what is the silver tsunami. Yeah, yes. <laughs> so the silver tsunami is big and it's Part of the industry that I represent, which is, I'll explain, baby boomers, we all know who they are. I'm a Gen Xer, so the baby boomer generation is um, before me, and they are all retiring today. And if you Google and search up, they're retiring, and we're all living longer. Um, They're retiring by 11,000 per day, baby boomers. So that silver tsunami of baby boomer retirees, there are small business owners in those figures that are looking to get out of their current business that they built for 20, 30 years and find Gen Xers, uh, millennials, people that are driven to take over their business and carry on their legacy so they can uh, retire. And what I do, Kat, is help those buyers find the best bank loan project to support that transition into new ownership. Um, 
I practice unity and diversity, and you probably read that in my profile. I have a heart for helping women and people of color because of my experience in corporate America, navigating the waters, not only internally, but externally what I witnessed. I practice unity and diversity. I'm not here to bash anybody, but I'm here to educate women and people of color that don't know about these opportunities like our our white men do because yep. they're the ones that typically have been promoted in corporate, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I love the silver uh, tsunami analogy. And, um, and just in case anybody who's viewing doesn't um, know, I'm a business broker and I, that's how our conversation came about was I'm an advocate for, businesses selling their business, not dissolving, but selling the business because of the fact that those we're keeping those jobs in place in our community. We're keeping that money in place in our community. And it's such a big deal. And I don't think people understand that um, there's a lot of people go, that go into the business broker arena for the sheer pleasure of making money and helping people sell their, their business. I advocate, let's keep those jobs in the community. Let's keep those um, that money that's circulating in those communities because it is a big deal. And if anybody does the st- statistics, the stats, um, I want to say it's roughly, don't quote me, it's about 65 to 67% of the U.S. economy is small business revenue. It's completely small business revenue. So it is so important for those businesses to somehow keep functioning and somehow pass on, whether it is through a legacy plan, which means through family, or whether it's selling, um, giving like you said, an eager person, an opportunity, it's, it's a leg up. It really removes risk. So it's giving them an opportunity to start a business and run a business without all the risk, right? Yeah. All right the on. risk. Yeah. I like, I like that. Um, yeah. We need to, we, like you said, Kat, we need to keep small businesses alive and thriving. And the only way to do that is support them. Number one, shop yeah. small business first, even if it's a little more, than the big box stores, that's okay. You yeah. want to keep those small businesses alive and thriving, like you said, because they're the heartbeat of our local economies. They're the ones volunteering and giving money to your son's baseball team, yep. right? Yep. Yep. I, used, I used to do that in high school, go around looking for money from small businesses. And they're like, here she comes again. <laughs> <laughs> well, and so the other segue to this, and the, I guess this would set you up for the next kind of question or something to really hone in on, is you're exactly right. Like women, okay, so there are more women-owned businesses is growing faster and faster every year. Mm-hmm. And minority-owned businesses, they're growing faster and faster every year. I think the thing that um, these two groups, women and minorities, don't understand is the financing that's available or the loans that they can take advantage of to help them acquire a business. I think that probably is the big telling because, you know, when we think about in big picture, okay, of all the people that get left out, it is the women and minorities mm-hmm. in any part. So whether we're talking corporate, startup, or a business, mm-hmm. you know, these yeah. are the people that are traditionally not 
being uh, taken seriously. That's right, Kat. Um, and I would reply to that. We need to do a better job as a, as a country and um, as the SBA, and I hope some of the leaders are listening to this, I would love to see some kind of a program put together to teach minorities and women about how to acquire established yep. small businesses with bank financing backed by the SBA, similar yep. to a first-time home buyer. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> yes. So I'm fired up to do that, but one person can't do it alone. But here's the what I'm trying to get at. If women and minorities go through maybe a class with the SBA and they put it on their website and they say, you take this class, we'll give you a discount on the SBA guarantee fee, or there's got to be some kind of incentive to teach the minority, the women and the people of color, um, and then give them a benefit to apply. Uh, oh, absolutely. And, and absolutely. Fur furthermore, uh -oh. this is me speaking from the heart. <laughs> Based on my experience internally and externally, our front line of SBA lenders that mm -hmm. are represented from banks and non-banks and credit unions, some, some, not all, some, let's be honest, you know this, Kat, they will cherry pick what loan size they want to only work with, what kind of applicant they want to work with. They have their own biases. Mm -hmm. Well, there's supposed to be regulations in place tracking that. And sometimes some corporate organizations don't do a good job of focusing on the front lines because they're just more worried about the loan production numbers. And we're making huge mistakes there. Yep. Uh, and, and I witness it, it even in the moment right now, I witness it. And it can be even on the business brokerage side. They There's a lot of buyers that call all of you. I understand that a lot every day. And I explain this to my clients. That's exactly why you want to be as prepared and look as good to get in front of the line to have that open up the conversations with the seller. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I know that this is going to be maybe uh, not a clear, straight answer, but mm -hmm. um, for someone who's never had a business loan, how hard is it? To buy a business. I'm just kidding. And I know there's no cut and dry because everybody's, every situation is different, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So kind of give us a feel for that so that people aren't afraid to approach you in a, and ask, can I get a loan yeah. <laughs> to buy a business? <laughs> That's, I love your thought process here because there are, nobody knows. Listen, right. I say this all the time. If I would have known what I know today of how this process works, I would have acquired probably two to three businesses 10 years ago, and I would probably be 100% retired enjoying life while key employees are running my businesses. Right. Nobody taught me. You couldn't go to school to learn this. Nobody talks about it. So if you call... Or if you want to know how do you apply or how do you how do you know if you even are eligible? This is my rundown that I give to people that call me. It's similar to purchase financing a house. Okay. Yep. You really shouldn't go to a business broker and just look at, 
all the businesses and pick one you like. Kind of like you shouldn't go shopping for a home and, and pick the home you like the most because you're going to pick the wrong one that's too much. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yep. So you should really go to like uh, the, your SBA lender or business acquisition specialist and say, here is my stuff. And your stuff is your personal financial statement. Tell me about your credit. You got to have good credit if you're going to buy a home or a business, right? Uh, mm-hmm. It's a big transaction. Okay. So let's get you qualified for a dollar amount and an industry that is in your desire and that you have some experience in. And the most important experience that we're looking for as underwriters that look at these transactions is management of people and sales and customer service. Right. We all were groomed in our early years in corporate. I think of myself in my 20s and my early 30s. We were taught all that. Right. I guarantee you, all of you listening that are thinking about buying a business, you have people skills, okay? Now let's zone it in. What's your desire? What what do you love? Or, you know, I've had buyers that have HR and staffing experience. So, of course, they want to buy a staffing agency, right? Um, So those are the things that I look at. And it's then it just comes down to putting the pieces of the puzzle together and, and helping the buyer navigate the waters of finding the right business that qualifies and and. I know you want to jump in, but I'm going to share something with your listeners. (laughs) One thing buyers need to understand because they're thinking, gosh, if I buy a business, how can I afford it? I got my mortgage payment. I got my car payment. I've got my family. I can't put in another payment. Now, (laughs) it's the business you're buying, the income that it's been generating historically. Yeah. We look at the tax returns the last three years. If you transition into this business gracefully and it keeps running as is, the underwriters approving and banking on the fact that that profit, that cash, that's what makes the payment, the SBA loan project payment. And you also may earn what the current owner is already earning and that's transferred to you, the new owner, before all of the net income pays your SBA loan payment. If we could just get that message out, Kat, a little bit louder, I think we'd have more interest out there. Yes. And that makes total sense. And I'm so glad that you spelled it out like that because um, I know that when people that I work with are... um, selling or buying a business, you know, their main concern is how much cash flow do I need in order to meet in between the invoices coming in, you know, and the uh, payments going out to employees and what have you. So, um, and a lot of times business owners will be very clear in that, but if you're not asking the question, you should be, because that should be money in the bank to hold you, tide you over, right? Mm-hmm. As you move month to month to month, which I love the way you described that. That was awesome. Thank you. I, I mean, you agree, right? There's confusion. I think there's more buyers out there today that would qualify. They just, they don't know. Yeah. You know, fear is simply the unknown. And yeah. I, I tell my buyers, I take the, I take the fear out of that unknown. And when after a first conversation like we're having right now, they're like, oh, wow, this is easier than I thought. 
Yeah. Wouldn't it be cool to buy a home that generated income and made the payment for you? <laughs> yes. That's yes, what fine business does. I love that analogy. You should use that more often. I love that. That's great. I'm going to use that on one of my uh, social medias. <laughs> and and the, well, but here's the other cool thing about it is, and you alluded to it, is the seller is selling their business. They have removed the risk. Like they did all the startup. They did all the SOPs. They did all the processes and they have the employees in place. And typically um, I would say that most people selling their business have been in business three plus years or more. So they've created Mm -hmm. the system process and what have you. The -hmm. thing for anybody in the audience who is, if you're looking at a business I would say definitely go to um, a a financial person like Deb and find out, can you fund the business? Okay. So that means, can you get a loan? Can you fund it somehow? And sometimes you might have to put in a little bit of your own money with the loan, which happens a lot in a lot of transactions I'm working with, you know, and that just shows you have skin in the game that you really do want that business, which is a good thing. Um, But also the fact that uh, people need to understand that when you're looking at a business and you're uh, estimating it, it don't look at businesses that are in the red, That's not an ideal situation. And that's not one that underwriters are going to say, yep, let's do that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Not happening. (laughs) You want to make sure when you look at financials and you look at these businesses that you see that there has been growth, 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 at least for the last three years, because pulling those is not just to be fundamental or transactional. Let me just get three years of P&L from you. Mm-hmm. Like you have to really understand the numbers. And that's why it's great to partner with somebody uh, financial when you're a buyer. You mm-hmm. really should get with a financial advisor, meaning a loan representative, somebody. That way yeah. they can help guide you. They can really, really help guide you. Very important, Kat. Yes. And you you stole my thunder part, part of what oh, you're sorry. saying here. No, <laughs> no, you're right on. Because there are a lot of direct SBA lenders out there who are just transactional. And what I mean by that, they'll just take your information and slap it against the wall and hope an underwriter gets to it soon. And more than likely it's turned down because it it wasn't put together properly. And that sometimes is not on the buyer. It's on the lender. Lack of experience. Um, If your lender isn't questioning and making you relook at things and showing you how to cash flow a business, because we don't expect you to know that. Because like I said, nobody taught you this in school, that's my job. And if your lenders out there aren't teaching you, find someone that will. Yeah. Because once that light goes off and you see like cat sees the businesses that do cash flow, those are powerful gems to acquire. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. And I can't tell you. And the other observation I have, just so that anybody watching or listening, you know, a lot of investors are buying these small businesses and gobbling them up and, you know, merging them into their other businesses, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, that's a good and bad. I mean, it's good because they bought the business and people keep their jobs. It's bad in that a small business owner doesn't have another opportunity to own that, you know? So it's a, it's a very heavy investor world too, which again goes to the fact that, you know, if we are messaging to minorities and women to let them know there are businesses for sale, you have an opportunity to buy these businesses. Don't see it as 
like, it's so painstaking, right? Don't be stressed by it. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. You're right. You're right. And adding on to that, Kat, um, some business owners don't want the investment companies acquiring them. They want the legacy carried on yes. with a family privately owned buyer that's going to yes. keep things as is. Um, sometimes that's more important to the seller than the money itself. So, I agree. Um, but you're right. There, There is a lot of money out mm-hmm. there. And there are some business brokers who would much rather sell it for cash, even though the seller wants to sell it privately. And right. I've seen that happen too. Um, but how you present yourself and the most prepared you are will get you to the top, like I said earlier. And that's my job to get you there. Because um, if Kat gets a call from someone that has a pre-qualification letter that they're approved for a certain dollar amount. Uh, she's going to be like, great. Here's a couple of businesses. Let's talk. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Ex- exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay. Awesome. Um, so I guess just give us an idea of like some of the, maybe uh, you can give it a range range amount of loans that you've worked with mm-hmm. um, locations, just little nuances that maybe someone who's tuning in, you know, yeah. might be thinking about. Sure. So <laughs> I came about with my business uh, in 2018, it was established. Mm-hmm. And over my career, I always worked for banks and was an SBA lender in that bank, a direct lender. So what that meant, Kat, is I played I shouldn't say played. I worked in that sandbox, meaning this is the bank's underwriting policy guidelines on top of the SBAs. So what I want your audience to get out of today is not all banks have the same credit policies. Therefore, when you purchase finance a business and you're applying at your bank to get a credit approval, you may be turned down but you could apply with two other banks and be approved. Mm. What does that mean? It's crapshoot out there because they're all different. They all have different policies and everybody says SBA is a headache. Well, that's why, because SBA has its own credit policies. If we all lived by just that SOP and every bank followed this SOP guideline from the government, it would be easy, but Governments, they don't make it always easy, right? So every bank, they're the ones giving the money. So they get the final say, even though SBA might be a little looser on an industry, the bank may not be. Okay. So through my career, I've worked with different banks, saw different processes and realized, you know, we need someone to focus in on this and farm it out to the different banks that I know are lending in certain industries or markets and yep. source the best approvals so the buyer doesn't have to do it themselves because they'll pull their hair out. <laughs> they just yep. their, let me pull my hair out. That's why I wear headbands. So anyways, yep. um, that's how it came about my business is I help mentor and, and find the best bank loan project, speeding up the process. That's what the business brokers want too. They, they want to speed that process sped up with the buyers because these are time sensitive transactions, right? Yep. Yeah. Did I answer your question? 
Yes, you did. I and did. you did you did a very good job and it was very thorough. I appreciate that. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. So at the end of the day, I think uh, what Deb and I are talking about is there are a lot of baby boomers that are, are going to be retiring. And I, I want to say that they say the range is in, within the next five to 10 years. I mean, mm-hmm. we're talking now, you know, to it may plateau in the five or 10 year mark just depends on how long these baby boomers want to keep holding on to the business, you know, and what I'm finding, what I'm hearing from a lot of uh, baby boomers, because they're, you know, there is a mentality with baby boomers. I have to share the baby boomers feel like they have to work until the last day, last minute of their retirement. Okay. Whereas when you start to get into a younger generation, they want to retire earlier so they can enjoy Mm -hmm. life longer. Right. And so there's a different mentality with different people and the personalities. And so a lot of the businesses that I've been working with are all over the place. Right. (laughs) And mostly the baby boomers are probably around 70 that are selling their businesses. Most of them that I've been working with are around 70. Um, I'm happy to work with anybody else, but, uh, (laughs) um, but the other beautiful thing too is transition. You know, people start a new chapter in their life. What they have another baby. They can't have the business anymore or they move. They can't have the business anymore. There's so many yeah. Moving objects. It's not just a boomer situation. The boomer will be the big one that explodes, though. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. a good analogy. And I'm a Gen Xer, and I feel like I work just as hard as the boomer boomers did, but I wish I was more like a millennial and would have listened to my heart like 10 years ago and, yeah. and left corporate to acquire these businesses. So for, yeah. for all you millennials and Gen Xers out there, do it. Don't be afraid. No. Buy. Talk to cats and see what's available. Um, I raised my hand on that. I agree, Deb. <laughs> right? I, I totally agree. I mean, I have uh, two, a couple of buyers right now, and some of them are husband-wife teams where they're, they have a good income. They, they've been with the company for a while. They stashed away enough money that they said, guess what, Cat? We want another revenue stream. where it is self-sufficient, like you said, like we don't need to be there, maybe Mm semi-present and we can slowly start leaving our jobs. Yeah. Right. Because Mm -hmm. they want to then acquire another business, another business, you know, I mean, it's the name of the game. It's, it's exactly what you're saying, you know, it is. And I, I have clients that own and have come to me for financing of different businesses and they have a portfolio of three, four, five businesses and they're all absentee owned. Now the owners will trust and still verify what's going on inside, which I will always coach. You've got to always verify what you trust, but there's such, some of them are such good owners. The people just love them because they Mm -hmm. take such good care of them as owners that's hard to find today. And man, if you got that magic in you that you know how to take care of the right people, you're going places because oh. we are missing that in today's society. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Deb, as we, we've been on here half an hour now. See how we just ramble and ramble? Yes. <laughs> as, again. 
<laughs> As we wrap this up, can you uh, let everyone know how to get a hold of you? You got it. My website, debcurtis.com, and there's a contact tab there. So debcurtis.com, I'm making it easy. <laughs> they can also find you on LinkedIn though, right? Oh, yes. I, I, I just did a LinkedIn live audio event educating about smooth transitions as the new owner going in. So you'll find me on LinkedIn, always offering education. Uh, connect with me there and tell, tell me Kat sent you. Awesome. Awesome. And then do you, is there anything you want to share with anybody that is listening today? I always end that with the positive. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, most, most of these podcasts, they want to know if there's an offer or what have you, you know what my offer is two things, please support small businesses, go out to your community today and go buy something or, and thank them because we need to keep them alive and thriving to keep our country growing. And number two, pay it forward to someone with kindness, someone you don't know. We need more kindness in this world. So that's my call to action. Okay. And then uh, we had a question. I, I want to share this. Have you guys played in the BPO telecommunications or back office space? So we will get back to you, Luigi. Uh, and then James uh Getchy said, that was fun. Very nice. Thank you for sharing, James. And then uh, we had another comment, very interesting from Gerald. Um, this was fun. It was this fun. Was very fun, it. Deb. And I'm so glad and thankful that you uh, were able to join me on my podcast. And I can't wait for the response and for how many people that really got something out of this. I know I did. I loved it. I enjoyed it too. I, I get yes. something out of it just as much. Trust me. We all do. <laughs> awesome. awesome. Well, thank you so much, Deb. I appreciate it. Thank you, Kat. Take care. Thank you for joining me on my Stand Out and Grow podcast. I appreciate it. And in case you haven't noticed, I do these every Monday at 3 p.m. Central Time. So please join me any Monday. And, uh, and learn, learn something about marketing, about growing your business, anything surrounded about a, the small business community. That's who I support. That's who I advocate for and love to uh, have your input. If you know of a great guest for me, drop me a comment. Would love to have them on. And um, until next time, you got this. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Stand Out and Grow. Check out all the notes and links at www.standoutandgrow.com. I am so thankful to you for helping this show continue to grow. I want to keep producing content that you want to hear, so please leave me some feedback. I look forward to bringing you more resources and information to help your business stand out and grow. Please follow us on social media and make sure you follow this podcast so you can learn more about helping your business stand out, survive, succeed, and grow. Until next time, you got this. Advertise helps businesses stand out and grow with affordable advertising options. We will help you make good business decisions so you can save money and not just throw it against the wall to see if it sticks.
Get your free strategic advertising analysis today so you can see the opportunities to stand out and grow your business. Visit www.standoutandgrow.com offers page to learn more.